0: This podcast has been initiated and funded by Novartis UK. My name is Dr Vincent McGovern. I'm a general practitioner in Northern Ireland with a special interest in asthma. I also hold three part-time clinical assistantships, one in adult chest medicine at Belfast City, one in paediatric asthma at the Children's Hospital and one in accident and emergency medicine at the Ulster Hospital. I'm joined by two other clinicians to provide this series of three podcasts to talk about asthma.
1: Hello, I'm Steve Holmes. I'm a general practitioner in Somerset. I was involved in the National Review of Asthma Deaths Audit and I'm a current member of the British Thoracic Society's uh, Specialist Advisory Group on Asthma. And hello, I'm Rob
2: Niven. I'm a Senior Lecturer and Hospital Consultant at Manchester Foundation Trust. I'm Clinical Lead for the Northwest Severe Asthma Network and I sit on the BTS Sign Guidelines Steering Committee.
0: Steve and Rob, you're both very welcome. In podcast number three of this series, we're going to explore the management of asthma patients with particular focus on the roles of primary and secondary care. We're going to discuss when and how asthma patients should be referred to secondary care And we're also going to discuss the benefits that specialist asthma centres can offer to patients with poorly controlled asthma. If I could start with you, Rob, and ask you to tell us what is specialised commissioning and what impact does it have on patients with asthma?
2: So I'll just go back a little bit historically to answer that. And and previously, specialist asthma services were uh, set up haphazardly, depending on where there was an interest And for that reason, of 250,000 people living with severe asthma, perhaps only 1,000 were accessing that level of specialist care. Specialist commissioning set up by NHS England was there to provide regional severe asthma care, um, asking centres to work together so we could provide a uniform level of care across the whole of England. Um, The aim was to improve patient outcomes um, and ensure that everybody had access to high-cost technologies and therapies.
0: Steve, this concept of specialist centres, it sort of raises the the uh, possibility of patients having to travel long distances to gain access to their specialists. Would you like to comment on that?
1: I th- yes, I think that's a really important part of, of, of clinical care nowadays um if it's a if it's a general problem that can be managed locally either by gp or local services that's great but there are people who have rarer conditions or more significant severe cl- uh, conditions that require that specialist input and i have to be honest most of my patients in that situation genuinely say if i, if I need that specialist view i'll travel there to get there i'll get on with it i think that's something that we often m- don't understand if they know that everybody else can get treatment locally they don't they they're happier not to travel but if it's something where they'll only get that at a specialist unit they will of course our patients
0: will vote with their feet uh, if they travel a long distance to a specialist service and they don't feel they're obtaining benefit or improved care from that specialist center um they tend not to go back rob do your patients come back
2: uh, most of them uh, definitely not all of them, but most of them do. I think the other thing to say in this, this regard is we are now trying to work in a network model. So we're providing um, hubs which are uh, more geographically accessible to individuals, but working to the same standard as care as the um, central unit. Uh, and so that whether they go into a regional hub or the regional centre, that they will get the same level of assessment and treatment.
0: Now, traditionally, we've always known that primary and secondary care can always work better together. But I'm going to ask each of you in turn to describe the relationship between primary and secondary care in the management of patients with asthma and perhaps your thoughts on how we could work better. Steve?
1: I I guess there's one thought that's been in my mind for probably two decades now, which is how about a single patient record? so that my specialist colleagues can see what I've written in the notes and my um, I can see exactly what tests and what comments my specialist colleagues have made in their notes, and that's accessible to both me and to my patient and to the specialist at the time they need it. We still seem to be quite a long way off, although I know some areas are starting to address that, but to me that's a fundamental part of good care. I think the second part is we need to understand and know each other well. It's really important to know your local specialists be able to have a quick chat with them on the phone if you're concerned about something and make sensible ways forward so it's about communication as one of the fundamental parts of good clinical care
2: yes just just going back to what we're really trying to achieve here we've known that that patients who have had severe asthma might have waited many years to get seen in severe asthma center and we we need to cut that waiting time down because you know more damage is potentially being done there I totally agree with Steve that the patient record would be fantastic if we had single patient records and we certainly need to integrate our communication and uh, management algorithms and one of the things I think we could do to achieve this would be to to run virtual clinics and, and get um, members of a severe asthma team out into primary care and doing work directly with them or even by video conferencing when technology allows.
0: So whether it's primary care or whether it's secondary care, where do you think are the key areas that
2: we can improve in the management of asthma patients? As we were just talking, I think it's about engaging, working collaboratively and making sure that we are um, using the same concepts and guidelines for basic treatment and identifying the right patients who should be referred and then um, making sure we're communicating when we're passing patients back to primary care who can be handled quite easily. And I think we're very bad at that now.
0: Steve, we've heard in earlier of the podcast that... Really, uh, what secondary care is, it, it does the basics well and goes over the basics. Is there a, a message there for primary care?
1: I think we should be doing the same. I think we have to get the basics right, not only of diagnosis, but of um, getting the right treatments to the right patient, of making sure that we review them appropriately. And as we've spoken about previously, check inhaler device, concordance, compliance, Um, I guess probably equally importantly to that is thinking about what our patients really feel about their medications, engaging with them and sharing the decisions with them about treatment so that they are bought into shared goals for their condition that we're helping them with.
0: Okay, so we've talked about doing the basics well in primary care and then if things aren't going well we should think about referring to a specialist asthma centre. Steve, from a primary care perspective, what what might that typical patient look like that you would be thinking it's time to refer to a specialist asthma centre?
1: I think it's the sort of patient where I think this is asthma, but they're not showing the appropriate response to treatment that I would expect. In which case, I'm now starting to say, is this difficult, complex asthma, or is there something else going on? That's number one. I think the second one is the severity of disease. If the person, as was shown in the National Review of Asthma desk if the person has been admitted to AE and um, e or is, has had more than two courses of oral corticosteroids, that would be a fundamental reason to ensure they had a specialist review.
0: Rob, um, two questions for you. Are we referring enough patients are referring appropriately to specialist uh, asthma centres. And secondarily, what should that patient look like from your perspective?
2: I think actually in the current era, we are uh, getting the right patients referred to us uh, on the most part. There are still clearly some people out there who are not being referred at at more than two courses of oral steroids. So there's a few to, to pick up there. And I think the other red flag for me and this probably is more of a secondary care issue, is that there are patients who are admitted with a life-threatening attack and those patients should be being referred directly to specialist services as well so that we prevent um, and intervene as early as possible to try and prevent further mortality.
0: Okay, thanks for that. We're going to move on now and try and uh, define the roles of primary and secondary care clinicians in the treatment uh, pathway for asthma, Um, I'll start with you, Steve. Um, How do you see
1: your role? I think my role, certainly in primary care, is part of the wider team. It's important to recognise the great work that many of our practice nurses and community nurses do in the reviewing and care of our patients with asthma. And a lot of uh my gp colleagues talk about feeling slightly de-skilled now in some of the aspects of asthma care it's important that we are up to see, speed with the complexities of that but it's one of those challenges we have for the future how does that link to our secondary care colleagues it's part of that continuum of making sure that we are communicating across those boundaries making sure that if we're uncertain we are getting the help either from our practice nurse or from specialist care that we need because at the centre of all this is our patient. They are the fundamental part of the reason why we're all here.
0: Rob, do you feel close to primary care? Do you ever go out and hug a GP?
2: Uh, I do, actually, but I think we don't do it enough. Um, And we do it for the truly, really complex case where there is um, both genuine disease and lots of comorbidities, psychological issues that actually liaising with the primary care um, in the patient's interest will be hugely valuable for. But we, we don't do it enough and we could do it more.
0: Okay, thanks for that. Now, we're going to try and, and develop the concept where we've talked about perhaps who should be referred. But when they get to your specialist asthma centre, Rob, we're keen to know um, what exactly do you do and, and what's the role of the
2: various team members within that multidisciplinary team? So, just going back one step, our, our starting ethos is, as we talked about in one of the other podcasts, is to say, is it asthma in the first place? And look for all the co diagnoses that might be be there. And then look for, is it all asthma? And look for comorbidities. In doing so, we involve a huge number of um, team members who are not um, physicians. So, we have specialist nurses, our sent has five of them, physiotherapists, speech and language therapists, dietetics dietetics, psychologists and all of these and pharmacists, all of these specifically targeting patients with severe asthma.
0: So this is the real McCoy. This is a, a systematic, detailed evaluation and everyone gets the same level
2: of input. And that's the members of a team and then the assessment will involve Measuring airway inflammation, measuring systemic inflammation, measuring allergy, immune system work, scanning everybody or making sure we've reviewed CT scans of everybody, and then looking at the uh, comorbidities like having DEXA bone scans to look for osteoporosis and looking for sleep apnea syndrome and diabetes and all the things that go with comorbidities of the treatment.
0: And can you tell us what you feel the benefits of having that specialised team? And how does that impact on patient care?
2: It's all already been demonstrated that specialist intervention improves patient outcomes. So we, re- we improve quality of life. We reduce exacerbations effectively by the global management of, of the team. Um, we look at all aspects of the process. Having a psychologist on board has completely changed our practice and the way we look at patients from a holistic viewpoint uh, as just one example but we really have to pick these patients apart because they have genuine severe disease and then they have lots of other uh, psychosocial issues on on top. And we have to work out how they all interact. And ultimately, we're looking to identify those people who would benefit most or have the highest chance of benefiting from high-cost therapies such as biologics or bronchial thermoplasty.
0: Steve, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. As a primary care physician, are you impressed by the input, by the contribution, by the overall outcome of specialist asthma centres
1: where you are? I think one of the fundamental things that I see is when people go to a specialist asthma centre, they do get a much more holistic review than if they're perhaps seen in a generalist clinic. Um, It's all very well going to um, a lung clinic, but you actually need a bit more than that. And I think Rob really made good points about involvement of psychology, dietetics, speech and language therapy. Thinking outside the lung at times, I think is fundamental to our complex patients where we're not getting the successes we perhaps want.
0: Okay, we're going to close this podcast now by first of all asking you, Steve, from the primary care perspective on your key points for reflection uh, as a general practitioner.
1: I think there are probably a couple of points that are just worthwhile reflecting on, and that is, when did I last speak to my local um, specialist who has an interest in asthma, both in the paediatric and adult areas? And do I know the sort of people they want to see and where they want them to go if it sounds more complex? And similarly, arranging, if I'm not doing that regularly, a chat with my nurse in practice, to talk through the issues there about where she feels we can help more and where she feels her skills aren't being used or his skills aren't being used.
2: Rob, I think there's two things to reflect on in this process. One is is that we do now have treatments that can com- you know considerably change the life of patients who have suffered from severe asthma for years and suffered with the comorbidities of oral corticosteroid therapy and we need to keep that message going. But secondly, I, I think in our own practice, uh, and you challenge me on this specifically, is we need to be out there more going directly um, to our primary care colleagues and secondary care colleagues and making sure that this is a, an integrated process and a two-way process of learning and providing better care overall. Rob,
0: so once patients have uh, undergone that systematic evaluation by your multidisciplinary team that you've highlighted, what additional therapies Are available?
2: It's a really exciting time to be involved in severe asthma care right now because we are in an era where we have uh, new therapies that are really going to change the life of a number of these patients who do genuinely have resistant asthma. We have biologics, um, multiple biologics currently. We have bronchial thermoplasty, and this allows us to target these treatments which are clearly expensive, and we have to make sure that we give them to the right patients. Um, and target the right patients who are most likely to benefit from them, but then they can change the lives of these patients, uh, and it it is a a great time to be involved in this treatment. When we think about offering this treatment, we do have to go back to primary care and double-check on certain things. The most important thing we do these days is we have to check on adherence. So we go back to primary care and ask if our patients have been picking up their inhaled steroids and if the primary care believes that they're taking those and fully adherent to treatment.
1: And that's a very easy thing for primary care to do, is to print out the last six months or years worth of prescriptions and fax those over to a safe fax number within the local hospital.
2: And we have an MDT coordinator dedicated to collect that data and and go through it and make sure it's accurate. Steve, Rob, thank you both very much indeed. We hope this
0: discussion has helped to highlight important points to consider regarding referral of patients with difficult asthma and also explaining what exactly happens at a specialist asthma centre and how that can benefit our patients with problematic asthma. Gentlemen, thank you both very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you have found these three podcasts on the current management of asthma useful, and we hope you will take away fresh ideas and concepts that will help you improve the management of the patients with asthma that you treat. Adverse events should be reported. Reporting forms and information can be found at www.mhra.gov.uk forward slash yellow card. For the technically minded amongst you, the job code for these podcasts is RES 17 R036. The date of preparation of these podcasts is November 2017.